0: Chapter twenty six of the forgery by george Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty six. There was a fatality about lady Fleetwood's views and wishes. We see the same often, and foolish people imagine that there is something in the character of the individual which so assuredly makes the schemes of certain persons fail of effect. It is all a mistake no man has a mind sufficiently capacious no man has power sufficiently extensive let his wit wisdom judgment command be as elevated and as infinite as they may to grasp and rule the circumstances which surround even the smallest of his plans the most insignificant of his actions and say this shall succeed he cannot say with certainty i will walk out of that open door He may design according to the probabilities which are apparent to him. He may exercise a keen judgment. He may bring long experience to bear upon the subject. He may calculate by all that the keenest and the justest observation has taught him, and he may combine by the powers of a well-regulated and long-exercised reason. But when he has done this, he has done all. The rest belongs to fate, which, in other words, is the will of God the man who has well and thoughtfully watched the progress of events must know that there is not a straw so small that it may not throw down a giant in his course and if napoleon bonaparte the pampered child of undeserved success did really say which i do not believe i propose and i dispose too he had used to very little purpose the experience of a life still it must be admitted that lady fleetwood's plans were not always the best calculated she took too much for granted she had an enormous number of very frail ladders with which she proposed to scale the high walls that opposed her and which always broke down at the very first step she set upon them in the present instance however she was disappointed not at all by her own fault She set out to see Mr. Scriven at an hour when, perhaps, during the last six or seven-and-twenty years, he would not have been found absent from his counting-house on any three lawful days. Nevertheless, Mr. Scriven was not there when she arrived in the city. The head clerk knew not where he had gone, nor when he would return, so there was no sending for him, no waiting for him and all that lady fleetwood could do was to leave word that she very much wished to see him if he could call upon her during the following morning the head clerk promised to give him the message faithfully and lady fleetwood went out the next moment however she returned again to say that she should be glad if he could call about eleven then she returned again to add that she would thank him to send for her down into the library and a third time she returned to beg that he would not say to any one she had called to ask for him. The head-clerk knew Lady Fleetwood well, and very readily promised to deliver all her messages. But they did not get very accurately to Mr. Scriven's ears, notwithstanding, and on the following day the excellent lady, having got her niece Maria to go out earlier than usual, and given her servants due directions, sat in the library ready to receive her brother in vain eleven a quarter past eleven went by and lady fleetwood who was as impatient as a girl of eighteen tripped lightly up to her own room proposing to go out and call upon her brother as he had not attended to her summons the distance was not great she knew the exact way he would come she should either meet him as he came or catch him before he went into the city poor lady fleetwood she was rarely if ever destined to do what she intended to do the servant opened the door for his mistress to pass out with his hat and long cane as was customary in those days ready to follow but lo and behold upon the step of the door with hand ready stretched out to seize the knocker appeared a little neatly dressed man with a shrewd intelligent countenance lady fleetwood set him down at once for some tradesman or some tradesman's shopman, and being, as I have shown, very careful and economical, she paused to make inquiries, saying, "'What do you want, my good man?' "'I wanted to speak a few words with Lady Fleetwood,' said Mingy Bowes, for it was he delivered from incarceration. "'My name is Lady Fleetwood,' replied the lady, while Mingy took off his hat very reverently. "'But you see I am going out just now, and therefore—' "'Ma'am, it's a matter of great importance,' said the man, interrupting her. "'It would be much better for you to hear what I've got to say at once.' "'Well, what is it?' asked the old lady, somewhat impatiently. "'I can't tell you here, ma'am,' replied the other. "'You'd not like it if I did. "'If I could say a word to you alone, it would be much better.' "'This is very strange,' said Lady Fleetwood.' beginning to feel some degree of alarm, though curiosity predominated most decidedly. She looked over the person of Mr. Mingy Bowes with an inquiring glance, but there was nothing very formidable in the little man's appearance. When dressed in his best, as on the present occasion, he was decidedly dapper. Now, nothing that is all dapper can ever be awful, and therefore, having considered him well for a minute, Lady Fleetwood repeated, it is very strange however come in here with me john stand you near the door and if my brother comes show him upstairs but don't you go away from the door yourself for-for i do not know what this person wants thus saying she walked into the dining-room and mr mingy bowes followed with perfectly well-bred composure he shut the door carefully behind him while lady fleetwood seated herself in an armchair and pointed to another on the opposite side of the room in order to keep the table between her and her visitor, begged him to be seated. The worthy gentleman accordingly sat down, brought the inside of his hat over his knees, and bending forward, so as to get his head as far across the table as possible, he said, in a low voice, "'I think, my lady, you're acquainted with a Colonel Middleton, aren't you, my lady?' "'Yes, sir,' said Lady Fleetwood, with a look of surprise. "'I've the pleasure of knowing him very well.' i think my lady rejoined mr bowes putting on a cunning and amiable look there's like to be a nearer connection isn't there my lady lady fleetwood's face flushed with surprise and dismay to find the secret of maria's engagement to colonel middleton already known to such a person as the man before her good gracious she exclaimed who told you that did colonel middleton himself oh dear no my lady replied mingy bowes i never saw colonel middleton in all my life that i know of then in the name of heaven what do you want demanded lady fleetwood i just a little bit of business ma'am answered the dealer in marine stores but before i go on i should like very much to hear whether what i have been told by those who ought to know about there being such a connection on the carpet as i may say is true or not thus pressed lady fleetwood replied after a good deal of hesitation why i believe it is to which assertion she added a strongly confirmatory nod of the head very well my lady continued mr bowes as soon as he was satisfied on the point then the thing comes to this you see that gentleman that colonel middleton He's quite a gentleman, I believe, and I don't mean to say anything against it. But there's a little bit of a secret about him, and that, a secret, which might put him in very great danger, if it were to be known to every one. Ah, that it might, he continued, seeing the consternation on Lady Fleetwood's face growing deeper and deeper every moment. Why, it might cost him his life, ma'am, and no mistake really this is very terrible exclaimed the poor old lady not knowing what to say or what to do why it is indeed replied mingy bows but i dare say it can be managed very easily for a small sum i really do not understand what you mean sir said the worthy lady her thoughts getting more and more into confusion every moment why now i'll explain it all to you in a minute replied mr bowes in a tone of kind familiarity you see the case is this ma'am this gentleman this colonel middleton happened by chance the other night to lose his pocket-book how he lost it is neither here nor there but a friend of mine a very respectable young man found it and looking in to see whose it could be he found a whole heap of letters and papers and things which showed him the whole story about this colonel middleton and how though he's a very nice young man and all that his life's in danger in this here country on account of something that happened ten years ago lady fleetwood sat confounded for her mind and her imagination had made great progress during the man's statement like a finely balanced magnetic needle, which has been slightly deranged by some accident, her judgment had wavered about a good deal, but it pointed right at last. First, she came to the conclusion from the man's speech that Colonel Middleton was not what he appeared to be, and then that he was certainly Henry Hayley. How to act, what to say, however, she did not know, and all she could utter was, "Well." well well as you say ma'am rejoined mr mingy bowes the matter no doubt will be easily settled for my friend who found the book is quite inclined to be reasonable he's quite a shy timid young man and he asked me to arrange the matter for him you know bowes he said to me when one has got hold of such a secret as this it is all fair that he should make something out of it but I don't want to behave at all unhandsome, so I wish you would go and see what can be done, and I'll content myself with a trifle. Bows, he said. Is your name Bows? Asked Lady Fleetwood, who, as I have before remarked, had a terrible habit of darting off at a tangent. Yes, ma'am," replied her visitor. "My name is Bows, Mingy Bows. At your service. It's a very good name," said Lady Fleetwood. "'There was a Mr. Bows I used to know very well, "'who lived down near Durham. "'I wonder if you are any relations?' "'No, ma'am, none at all,' answered Mingy Bowes. "'I never had no relations at all.' "'Oh, dear, yes, you must have had some relations at some time,' "'said Lady Fleetwood, set hard to work to prove to Mr. Bowes "'that at some time or another he must have had some relations, "'if nothing better than a father and mother.' a fact which he did not attempt to controvert, but returned at once like a man of business to the more immediate subject of discourse. Lady Fleetwood's little excursion, however, had done her good. It had suffered her mind to repose and compose itself, and if she made any mistakes now, it was not because she was agitated and confused. "'Well, you see, my lady,' continued Minji Bowes, I said to the gentleman who found the book, why don't you go yourself no no says he you go i only want what's fair and i'll leave you to judge of that so then i said to him what would you think of a thousand pounds so then he answered well that will do though it ought to be fifteen hundred this was coming to the point mr bowes imagined and doubted not that lady fleetwood would take the matter up at once as he intended it He was a little surprised, and disappointed, however, when, after he had made a dead stop, and waited for a moment or two, the excellent Lady coolly demanded, "'And pray, what have I to do with all this? What made you come to me about it?' Mr. Mingy Bowes, however, was rarely puzzled for an answer, sometimes plunging into the rigmarole, sometimes taking refuge in the most laconic brevity why you see ma'am we talked that over too he said my friend wished me to go to the colonel at once about it but i said no that won't be delicate if there's any friend we could get to break the matter to him well then says he go to lady fleetwood she's the person you may give her my solemn word of honour that if i have the thousand pounds i'll not say a single word to nobody and it's very likely says he That she'll never say a word to him about it but give the money herself as she's going to marry him what i exclaimed lady fleetwood almost with a shriek did he mean i was going to marry colonel middleton yes my lady answered mr mingy bowes almost as much astonished as she was why you told me so almost this minute yourself you impudent person exclaimed lady fleetwood angrily i should as soon think of marrying you as colonel middleton i'm quite old enough to be his mother but what you said about the connection said mingy bowes with a good deal of perturbation seeing that he had made one mistake at least and not knowing how far it had gone oh now i see exclaimed lady fleetwood my good friend you and i have been playing at cross purposes all this time I have no personal interest in colonel middleton whatsoever though i am told he is going to be married to a relation of mine then hang me if i've not wasted my time said mingy bowes starting up from the table but just at that moment a bright thought one of her own peculiar bright thoughts came across lady fleetwood's mind i must not let this man go away altogether disappointed she said for fear he should go and make terrible mischief I see the whole business as clear as possible now this colonel middleton is poor henry hayley and maria knows it that is the secret she would not tell me and she knows or thinks that he can prove himself innocent of the forgery in a few days now if i let this man go away dissatisfied he may very likely spoil all their plans i know nothing about it how should i know and if maria had thought fit to tell me I might have known how to act, for I am sure no one was ever more thoroughly convinced that poor Henry Hayley, however much appearances might be against him, never did think of forging my brother's name, than I have always been. As to giving the man a thousand pounds, that is out of the question, for I haven't got it to give, and if Henry is innocent, as I am sure he is, there can be no need of it and yet if i send him away disappointed and angry he may make a fuss which is always exceedingly unpleasant she puzzled herself sorely as to what was best to be done under these perplexing circumstances but at length a notable scheme presented itself to her mind for the purpose of gaining time and suffering the plans of maria and henry hayley to develop themselves undisturbed early the day after to-morrow she thought we set out with lady anne for the north and if i tell this man to come here at noon on that day we shall be gone colonel middleton and all. in the meantime i can consult about it and should there be any necessity leave a note or a message to give explanations and to make arrangements the man must see that i cannot decide upon anything at once although thought is very rapid though this and a great deal more passed through the mind of lady fleetwood in a very few moments yet the pause was sufficiently long to attract the attention of mingy bowes and make him linger still in the hope of bringing his negotiation to some more satisfactory conclusion although he was terribly tempted to say something more yet like a wise man he refrained from a sort of intuitive perception that the weakness of the other party might do something for him which his own strength could not accomplish he did not walk to the door however as his first sudden start up from the table had seemed to promise and at length he was rewarded by hearing lady fleetwood's voice once again i can have very little to do with this business she said but at the same time as the gentleman is a very intimate friend and is likely to be a connection of some members of my family i have no objection whatever to talk to him upon the subject and see what he thinks fit to do mingy bowes was very well disposed to listen to this offer as to say truth he had only come there for the purpose of opening a negotiation to be carried to greater advantages at a future period a little bluster however might be as well and he replied gruffly well ma'am i hope you'll make haste about it then for we haven't much time to spare and my friend must do one thing or the other so if the gentleman says yes well and if he says no well we can but go and tell messrs scriven and company the whole story after all dear me exclaimed lady fleetwood you seem to know all the people about here quite well mr scriven is my brother however i shan't be able to see and consult anybody till the day after to-morrow so if you like to come here at twelve on that day you shall have an answer yes or no that's a long while ma'am said mingy with a good deal of affected sullenness i should think for that matter a lady like you might give such a trifle herself without waiting to consult at all you're very much mistaken sir answered lady fleetwood sharply in the first place i am not called upon to give anything as the gentleman is no connection of mine whatever in the next place i do not know whether it would be right to give anything at all and in the third i should not know how much to give but at all events you have my answer and can come at twelve o'clock the day after to-morrow or not just as you think fit oh i'll come said mingy bows but you'd better tell the gentleman my lady that if he does not come down handsome he's done to a dead certainty i don't understand what you mean sir said Lady Fleetwood, but, at all events, I cannot talk any more upon the subject, and therefore shall beg to wish you good morning. Thus saying, she rang the bell sharply, and made a ceremonious curtsey to Mr. Mingy Bowes, saying aloud to the servant who appeared, Show that person out, and if he comes at twelve the day after to-morrow, let me see him. Chapter twenty six.